Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. We are in our second week of a four-week series, there we go, great, uh, called New Year, New You. And the whole point of this is to uh, look at the idea that the world says, hey, you should be looking at New Year's resolutions, this is the time to look at it, and we thought, what if we would do, hey, worthwhile resolutions for us? What if we would look at the idea that, hey, instead of just picking a New Year resolution and not sticking with it, but what if we could have something that we know that would change our whole entire trajectory of eternity, not just the weekly, not the tyranny of the now, all of that sort of stuff. And so we are on the second week of that. And I want to uh, read with you Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to start in verses 21, and, and this is what it says. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him a million dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he, re- realized, uh, and he released him and forgave him his debts. Would you pray with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we dive into your word, Lord, would we see our own hearts this morning, and would we open them up to you, would we open them up to your Holy Spirit so that we can be guided and directed? And Lord, would you help us to put worthwhile resolutions into our lives? In your holy name we pray, amen. I don't know if you kind of realize how quickly things can go south um, in a 24-hour period, but uh, I have this kind of uh, weird problem with being a jerk sometimes, and so um, I was going through this kind of sermon series, and I was like, okay, how do I even go to the point of really looking at today's worthwhile resolution? And so... uh, I'm just going to tell you right away, if you're taking notes, we're going to dive into this, but I'm going to tell you a story in just a second. Here's, here is the worthwhile resolution. The rest of the world tells you this. In a new year, they say, hey, be wise, drop a size, right, this year for your resolution, right? Or eat wise, drop a size. And, and I think the resolution that we should be having is this, is lose the weight of unforgiveness. Lose the weight of unforgiveness. When going through this, I kind of kept on thinking about, okay, how am I going to come up with a story of unforgiveness? Because if you know a little bit about me, I'm kind of probably most of those people who are quick to forgive and just kind of let it slide because I don't like uh, 
I don't like conflict, but when I kept on coming back to this story, I was like, what is a story in my life in which I know that unforgiveness is still not there? And it happens to be with a uh, girl that I dated. And there's a couple things that you need to know um, uh, about this is that I was not wise in these decisions. And so um, there was one week where I was talking with her and uh, I just just like laid it out, like, yeah, we're going to get married, we're going to do this, this, I mean, all of these different things, right? Like, I was all in, and we're going to, man, I'm going to get this job, we'll buy jet skis, we'll do, I mean, I was dreaming, right? And so uh, that week, some things kind of happened, and I knew right away that, wait a second, I'm not going to be uh, marrying this girl. In fact, actually, we probably should end this pretty quickly, And so uh, a week prior to that, uh, she had kind of said things like, hey, you need to get rid of these things in your life that uh, is from past girlfriends. I had this blanket on my bed, all that sort of stuff. And so, but the only reason why I say that is because we moved forward to this night where I decided that I was going to go on a drive with her. And so I, I went on a drive with her, and I decided that we were going to end it. And if you know anything about Billings, if you start driving one direction, you just start going for miles, and you end up in Laurel. And so I ended up halfway into Laurel, and I was just trying to figure out, like, how am I going to tell this girl that I don't like her anymore, and we're done. And so um, I proceeded to start telling her, hey, uh, I, uh, I, I think we're done I think our relationship is over. And she looked at me and she's like, are you, are you serious right now? And I, sa- I said, yeah. And she goes, you couldn't have thought to tell me this like when we weren't like 20 miles away from your home and I wasn't by the car. And I said, well, I didn't think about that. And so we kept on driving. And, and if you know anything about me, I, I'm weird, okay? And so I just went, ha. And she's like, What? And I said, and to think, I just got rid of that blanket. (laughs) And then we kept on driving, and I am not kidding you. We kept on driving, and we ran over a rabbit. And I was like, ha! And she's like, what? And I said, that rabbit is indicative of our relationship. (laughs) It's dead. And we got home, and I pulled in, and... She just, I mean, literally slammed the door of my car and got into her car and drove away. And I legitimately have not seen her since. But my friend runs into her, ran into her quite often while I was in uh, uh, the finishing stages of my college year. And he goes, I just want to let you know, she tells me every time she sees me that she's doing far better without you than with you. And that uh, she's doing great, and her life is just perfect, and she's got a husband now. I mean, just all of these things, and she doesn't need you. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's awesome. I think about things like that in that story because I think about how quickly relationships can just spoil fast either because of who we are and, and some of the, maybe some of the stupid things we say or some of the stupid things we do. And, and I know that you're looking at this going, yeah, great. That's just a, just get over it, right? That's just love and love, you can just, that's what happens. People break up all the time. And I, and I get that, but I, I think that story for me is a little bit of knowing in my heart that there is unfinished business that's happening. 
that I know that maybe for me that there's somebody out there that really has a hard time with me because of what I've done. But I also know that there's plenty of us in this room who have a hard time forgiving others because they've done something to us. Because I'm fairly certain that if we went up to that girl and we said, hey, do you forgive Seth or anything like that? She would, she would now say, yeah, absolutely, because I'm an adult now. But at that time, I'm fairly certain that um, she would have loved to beat me up. So why is this a worthwhile resolution? Why is this idea of losing the weight of unforgiveness a worthwhile resolution? I think it's found in this very section of Matthew when he's saying, hey, Lord, how many times should we forgive those who have wronged us? Seven times? And Jesus says, seven times 70. And a lot of you are sitting here going, 490 times, right? Like that's, that's, that's the cutoff for me. 490 times, I'm done. But I think it's more than that because to be quite honest, like I thought to myself going, yeah, I could forgive somebody 490 times and the, the idea is this, is that really are you going to have to forgive somebody 490 times for the same exact thing? Because if you keep on forgiving them, then that means that maybe you didn't forgive them in the first place. But that's beyond the point here. The idea to me is this, is that the next thing that happens in this verse is once he says 490 times in verse 23, he says there's this king who decides to bring his accounts up to date. Just that phrase scared me a little bit. There was a king that had to bring his accounts up to date or decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants. Romans 14, 12 says this. It says, each of us will have to give a personal account to God at some point. And what would my account look like if I had to do a personal account with God? Not only would I have to look at my own forgiveness that's needed from God, but I would also have to look at how I've forgiven other people. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, he does a great job of talking about how this world is right now. He goes into it and says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from the people like that. If we have to give a personal account, and trust me, each and every one of us is just like this guy who borrowed money worth a million dollars, and we have to go up to God, and we realize that we can't pay it. And God graciously says, I love you anyway. He is completely opposite of everything in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And yet I see that our world is getting more and more like 2 Timothy 3. 
We don't really want to forgive. We want our own way. And that's why I think that this is so incredibly important to us to look at forgiveness. But there's a couple things that I have to do with you before that because I have to get rid of some of the myths that we might have about forgiveness. And the very first myth is this, is that forgiveness is about the other person. Actually, the truth is forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is about your ability to move on with the process and go, no, I need to forgive. The second myth is, is that if, if you forgive somebody, you should forget it ever happened. The truth is, is that forgiveness and forgetting are two different things. I kind of came across this conclusion, and a lot of people say, well, didn't God say that he would forgive you and remember your sins no more? That he would throw your sins as far as the east is from the west? And my question is, do you really believe that God forgets anything? Or God chooses not to allow those things to even be into play when we have forgiveness. And so forgiveness and forgetting are two different things. And we might not be the greatest at forgetting, but we can choose that we want to forgive so that we can move forward in our relationships with others. Some people say that forgiveness is a decision, this myth that forgiveness is a decision and, is, and it's an act of will, that if I just white knuckle it, I can make it. Or if I can just hide that everything's okay and that I've forgiven that person, that everything is hunky-dory and that I can be uh, a doormat. It's not true, actually. Forgiveness is a decision and a process. Which goes on to the next myth that forgiveness and reconciliation are the exact same thing and forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. That when we offer forgiveness or we've asked for forgiveness, it begins the process of restoration and reconciliation with one another. Those are two separate things. Another myth is that I need to tell the person I forgave them. I will tell you that sometimes that's the most damaging thing to do because they might not think that you have anything against them. You don't necessarily need to tell people that you forgave them. And if you're looking for, <laughs> if you're looking for the, the affirmation that you did or that you're a better person, we're going to get to that in just a second. There's this there's uh, this teaching that Jesus says, and he says, if you come to worship at the altar and you're coming to bring a gift, and as you're sitting there, you realize that somebody has something against you, go to them and be reconciled to them so that your relationship can be right, and then come back and, and offer your gift. I just want to tell you that that doesn't mean that, hey, I need to go forgive somebody, so I'm going to go do that and then come back. No, if somebody has something against you and you need them to forgive you, if you know that you haven't given them that opportunity. And so once again, it's not about I need to go tell somebody that I forgave them. And the next myth is that if I forgive, I am just, a weak, I'm just weak and I'm a doormat. And I would say that the truth to that is that forgiveness allows us to realize the value of boundaries. 
that when we forgive, it's not that we just are a doormat and we go back, but we say, hey, I forgive and this relationship is important to me, but I can't just put myself out there again. We are going to work towards, rela- uh, towards restoration and reconciliation for one another, and so we're going to have boundaries. Now, I, wanna, I want you to hear this very clear that if you are in, abuse, in an abusive relationship right now, please don't think that I'm advocating for you to stay just because you're supposed to forgive and continue being abused. That's not what I'm asking whatsoever. I'm asking you that, hey, if that's the case and you're in an abusive relationship, would you please get out? Would you please make yourself safe first? It's not about being that doormat of going back over and over again. It is about you moving forward and going, hey, I want to create a healthy relationship here. And as we start into this, there's one little uh, note that I would like you guys to put in your notes here. It is this, is that the ability to forgive comes from a deep sense of our own need for forgiveness. So before we just don't dive into all of these things of, hey, why do we need to forgive? I, I really want you to see how much we need forgiveness. And I think it comes back to the first story once again of owing a million dollars. Could you, could you imagine the weight of that right now that if you owed a million dollars, let's just say right now all of a sudden this debt dropped into your lap. And a lot of you would say, well, at least a million dollars I could spend then, right? Like I could c- come up with some sort of happiness for that. But just think of the weight of that. The weight of knowing that you have to pay that back in your current state to be able to go, I have to somehow pay this weight back. That's exactly what it's like when we sin against God every single day. That when we say, hey, the way that we want to live our life is better than the way that you have designed it. And so, God, we are going to do whatever we want to do ourselves. And God says, no, I'm going to send my son And there's this phrase on, while Jesus is on the cross, that I think is unbelievable to me in the midst of his pain of physical pain, but also his knowing what's going to happen next with being, having the full weight of sin upon him. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Just that phrase alone lends to us to be able to have a sigh of relief to go, In that moment, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was paying for our sin and paying for our debt at that very moment. What a deep sense of, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness that there is somebody who loves me, somebody who already had a plan to send his son so that the weight of my sin isn't against me for eternity that Jesus Christ came, that he died on the cross for each and every one of us to pay the million-dollar weight that we couldn't pay. Because there is going to come a day where all of us have to give an account before God. 
And that weight is going to be going, ah, it's, it's been paid for. But there's still that sense of us needing to know that, man, if, the, if that's the case, if that we've been forgiven, what about our desire to forgive others? And so the story goes on in, in this Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 28, and it says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. From a million to a few thousand, he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay you, he pleaded. But his, his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had forgiven, the man he had forgiven, and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That story carries a lot of weight. In the first instance, we have a guy who owes a debt that he could never pay. And then he goes to somebody who barely owes him anything, and he has this sense of, I am better than you, you need to give me what I deserve. Can you imagine also being the guy that just came out of that, though? There's a couple ways you could go. You could be so thankful and be, oh my goodness, my debt has been paid. This is great. I'm free. Or you could also go down the path of, going, of pride and insecurity and going, man, you're worthless because you could never pay that debt anyway. And so you just get in this deep spiral of going down and my pride has been ruined because he called in my accounts and man, everybody now knows that I owe so much money and my sin is so great and I, I can't get out of this. And this is essentially what I feel like he does to this other servant who owes him very little money. His pride, his insecurities, his doubts come in and he puts it on to this other person because he already knows that he's already in deep debt. He doesn't understand the value of forgiveness yet. And so I want to go into a little bit about the deep-seated dangers of this guy's heart and unforgiveness. And there's five of them this morning that um, I just want to tackle with you. And so if you're taking notes, the very first one is this, is that the danger of a heart of unforgiveness is that we have a false sense of power. That we have a false sense of power. Because here's the deal, that when somebody has done something against us, we feel like we have power over them. We feel like we can hold something over the other person's head. We feel justified in our unforgiveness. You don't understand what they've done to me. It's so bad. I'm better than them. And we're going to get to that in just a second. There's this false sense of power that we can use the other person, person's weakness and failure against them. 
in moments in which we want our own way in this instance, we look to them and we go, well, you've done this to me, and so here's my trump card. Can you, can you imagine if every single one of your sins were laid completely bare for everybody to see? Would you think that any of us had power over anybody else? And yet Jesus sits there and goes, I, I, I forgive you. My sin or my blood has washed over your sin. And so it's a false sense of power because realistically speaking, if they actually knew what was going on in your heart, they would go, whoa, 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 wait a second, buddy. You've got nothing. And so unforgiveness gives us this false sense of power, and it's not real power. The second thing that a heart of unforgiveness does is it gives us a false sense of identity. We somehow feel superior to somebody when they sin against us. We know their weakness, Al. We know their failures, and we think to ourselves, we are better than you. And then there's some sense of this idea that we're also more righteous, right? We're more mature than the other person. And yet then it creates this cycle that we fall into the pattern of getting our sense of self-worth and comfort, that we are better than another person, and not actually from the gospel in and of itself that says, hey, you're a child of God. But for some reason, we get in this feedback loop of, but you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand. And in all reality, we're not better than our brothers or sisters. Once again, what were to happen if our sins were laid completely bare? The third thing that uh, the danger of, of a heart of unforgiveness does is it gives us a false sense of entitlement. <clears throat> Because you have wronged me, you owe me now. And I will tell you that if you're the person that needs forgiveness, also don't put yourself in that, in that self-loop that you have to do something to gain that. Well, I'm not as good as that person. Or as I owe so much to them. That's not what forgiveness is about. We have a self sense of entitlement or a false sense of entitlement. We carry around these things and we become self focused and we become demanding. I deserve this because you did this to me. The world would say, Yeah, get what's yours right now, tit for tat. That's not what it's all about. The fourth danger of a heart of unforgiveness is that it gives you a false sense of defenses. And 
what I mean by that is that it gives us just maybe another bullet for our gun to shoot the relationship down with. We carry it around and at any moment we're waiting just to go, oh yeah, and remember what you did to me? It's hugely tempting to pull it out when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're not willing to even look at our own sin in our own life. And sometimes we want to hurt them back when they've hurt us. And that's not what having a relationship is all about. And the last one is this, is that the danger of having a heart of unforgiveness is that we have a false sense of justice. And I want to stick on this for just a second. When we have a false sense of justice, what it's saying is that we know what's just more than God does. And in fact, actually, it means that we kind of put ourselves in the place of God and we play God at that moment and we say, hey, if I can't forgive you, I know what's best. I am God of this situations. We are actually not the judges of others. We are not the ones who should dispense consequences for other people's sin. It's not our, it's not our job to make sure they feel the appropriate amount of guilt either. It's not our job to tell them, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z more to be restored to me. It's really easy to become incredibly selfish when it comes to unforgiveness. And the reality is, is that unforgiveness is purely selfishly motivated. It's motivated by what we want what we think we need, and what we feel at that moment. And yet the gospel calls us to glorify God and to please Him by living His ways of unforgiveness. I'm sorry, His ways of forgiveness. Because literally, if we are to be a light on a hill, unforgiveness shows no light to a dark world. And it leaves lots of people unloved. In fact, actually, Jesus says this later on. He says, would you look at the log in your own eye before pointing out the speck in somebody else's eye? He even says, take it out. Take out your log before you try to take out the speck of somebody else's. When we forgive, when we, forgive we see our own need for mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And I just, I just want to say that as I, as I was looking at this, every single one of us in this room has had an unforgiving heart at some point. And I think that this worthwhile resolution is telling us that God is asking us to forgive others. It's time to let go. It's time to move on with relationships in a world in which we don't look at things sacred anymore, that that we just are the tyranny of the now people, that God is going, would you live something different? And here's the point is that the best way to really combat all of these false senses is to realize that the grace of our salvation is the greatest argument for forgiveness. 
Why should I forgive somebody? Because you've been forgiven. Because we have a debt we cannot pay. And once again, that's the exact same thing as what would happen if we laid out all of our sins bare to everyone. There's shows that are popping up all over, the, uh, all over TV now about people being able to read minds and be able to go, <laughs> uh, to be able to know what somebody wants. And I thought to myself going, man alive, that would be the worst superpower in the world that you would have the ability to know what's going on in everybody's minds. There are some of you that would go, they could read my mind, there's nothing going on in there. There's some of you in this room that would go, thank goodness nobody has the ability to read my mind. Because it comes down to this, that the, and once again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat it, that the grace of our salvation is the greatest argument for forgiveness. And the very last notes is this, is that unforgiveness creates enemies of the heart and forgiveness allows for hearts to mend. I hope that we don't want to have power over other people or that we don't want to use other people's sin and weakness to become our identity or that we have a false sense of entitlement that we can use their sins against them or that we have some sort of defense to get a get-out-of-jail-free card or that we put ourselves in the place of God. I don't want those things. I want us to be able to go, I want to do forgiveness. And so if there's somebody in your life today that you know that you need to forgive, it starts right now. It doesn't start with you going to them and asking for forgiveness or giving them and saying, hey, I forgave you. This is a point in which you get a chance of going, God, as I'm sitting here, I want to start the process of forgiveness because it's a process. It's not a one and done thing. Because ultimately forgiveness is for your heart, for your heart to mend, for your heart to actually start looking at it and going, I want to have a new relationship with them. And in fact, actually, the best definition that I've ever heard of forgiveness is that, that when we forgive somebody, it's a choice not to allow what they've done to us to taint how we move forward in a relationship with them. Not to hold what they've done against us in moving forward with their, our relationship with them. Now, it doesn't once again, and I'm going to go back to this, it doesn't once again mean that we just become doormats and we go to the same process over and over again. No, it's the fact of going, I want a healthy relationship with you. And right now it's not because I'm not forgiving you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and we're going to play our last song this morning. But I want to leave you with this idea of what if there's somebody you haven't forgiven in your hearts today? What if there's some work that still needs to be done in your heart that you've been holding on to for years? that you've had something against somebody for years upon years. 
It starts with you saying, God, where's my heart this morning? Paul David Tripp says this in a quote. He says, forgiveness is the only way to live in an intimate, long-term relationship with another sinner. Forgiveness is the only way to negotiate through the weakness and failure that will daily mark your relationships. It is the only way to deal with hurt and disappointment. Forgiveness is the only way to have hope and confidence restored. It is the only way to protect your love and reinforce the unity that you have built. And forgiveness is the only way not to be kidnapped by the past. It is the only way to give your relationships the blessing of fresh starts and new beginnings. I realize that just even this week that there are things that you need to forgive other people for. There there are some of you in this room, probably including me, who have had years and years of unforgiveness. That we want to hold on to some sense of you don't understand how much they messed up my life. I think while we sing this song, there's two things that need to happen. First, you and I understand the forgiveness that God offers to us. The song is, you are my king that we sing, uh, we're going to sing, and is he our king? Because if he is, that means that our accounts really have been settled with him, that he has forgiven us of our debts, that the stuff that we couldn't pay is forgiven because of Christ's death on the cross for us. That's the first thing that I want you to consider is have you allowed yourself to be forgiven by God? And the second thing that I want you to do while we're singing this song is, is there a heart of unforgiveness that you have? And are you willing to ask God to help you with that process? Are you willing to put yourself underneath his teaching and go, God, I want to learn from you. Last week's resolution was diving into the word. And this week's resolution as we look at it is if we start this process of forgiving, God can help us by his word, by looking at all the things in terms of how do we forgive, how do we move past, how do we have relationships with one another through the scripture with reading, reading his word. And so it's a process. Are you willing to start with that? Doesn't mean that you have to go out and shout from the, shout, uh, from the rooftops, hey, I forgive this person, I forgive you, I forgive you. No, it's about yourself right now. Are you going to choose to start the process of becoming whole again? Because it's a worthwhile resolution. So start that process today. Heavenly Father, God, we are absolutely bankrupt when it comes to being able to pay off our debts. And so, God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your son's love for us, that we could call you our king, and that we could seek after you every single day and take on your ways. And, and Lord, would we be people who desire forgiveness? that, God, that we would keep really short accounts with others. 
And that, God, that we would look towards mending relationships as much as we possibly can for the point of showing your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love so that the things that we desire can be echoing into eternity. And so, God, whatever deep-seated roots of unforgiveness are in our hearts, Lord, would you just start picking those roots up and just showing us how to forgive, how to move forward, how to love one another. God, thank you for loving us first so that we could love others second. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.